So welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Serial Seller. Super excited for my guest today, Jamie Shanks, joining us from Toronto, Canada. He is not only a sales god, he is the creator of social selling. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for the invite. My, my pleasure. So look, I, I want to dive right, right into social selling really shortly, but I, I want to know a bit about your background, how you got to create and be the pioneer of social selling. Tell us a bit about your journey. Well, it starts through failure. I mean, that's the, you basically, some of the best things ever built was because of failure. Uh, long and the short, I was a vice president of sales at a SaaS software company here in Toronto, Canada. I was employee number three, and we scaled uh, a virtual data room company. So we sold to private equity firms, financial institutions. We took $0 to $3 million ARR. And so now it became self-sufficient and profitable. I was 30 or 31 years old at the time. And I said, you know what? I know everything there is to know about sales. I'm, if, you know, audience. And essentially what I did was I started on my own, jumped into the world of sales consulting. And I didn't really have any products at the time. It was a jack of all trades answer. And I failed really, really bad. So the first two years, very few customers, almost no revenue. And it was through luck, happenstance, failure, where I would sit in my home office, global head office, it was my spare bedroom. And I would just stare yeah. at my laptop and I'd say to myself, listen, I was great making cold calls. I was great on the telephone or writing emails. I need to find a more scalable way to book yeah. meetings for myself. And I started for whatever reason, night after night, reverse engineering LinkedIn. Yeah. There was no Ooh. courses in the world on LinkedIn for business development, but I would yeah. sit and reverse engineer natural offline prospecting in that particular tool. And I found backdoors and tips and hacks. Mm. And mm. then I started putting together a curriculum and teaching local Toronto businesses. My vision was no bigger than helping local Toronto businesses. And with one, within one year, uh, we did a, a deal with Oracle, a five-year deal, and scaled our curriculum to 23,000 sellers. So, you know, wow. the jumping off point from small business to global enterprise happened so fast. That's all in, I never planned it. That's insane. How did you land the Oracle contracts? It's actually, a, so there's a story behind it. So when I won the very first customer for sales for life, it was called Vision Critical, which is a global market research company. Competes with like an industry. Right. So long and the okay. short, I drew their logo on the center of a sheet of paper and I stared at it and I asked myself, what do I do next? Like, who cares about this story? And I designed this process that we then taught called the sphere of influence, in which you circle a customer's logo, draw spider mm. webs from it, and reverse engineer it and say, well, what about people that left that company? Yes. Yes. That work at Vision Critical that are connected to other people. So long and the short, within 12 months, Vision Critical got me into a company mm -hmm. in Los Angeles called USAMP, a competitor. That got yep. me to a company in Herndon, Virginia, called uh, XO Communications, which they're a cross 
the street neighbor got me into data communication, got me to speak on stage to, in which the head of the social selling or social for sales program at Oracle was Jill Rowley. Jill saw me speak, pulled me into a cafeteria, and we did the deal at a table. Wow. Uh, wow. So the I love and then that one, Thompson Reuters, ADP, Intel, and it kind of went from there. It exploded. That's incredible. I love that story. I love how deals come together. Do you know what I mean? When you track it back, that's phenomenal. And, and I know you wrote, you know, you've written two books, but Social Selling Mastery, I understand why he published that for you. So just, just share for my audience, what if there's a salesperson listening to this, there's maybe a bit of a novice when it comes to LinkedIn. What would you say your three top tips that every sales professional should be doing on LinkedIn or in social selling? Yeah, so if you look at, I wrote two books, Social Selling Mastery and Spear are actually broken in halves. And ultimately, when you think of prospecting, you can create both an inbound magnet to attract, yep. you create a trusted advisory to attract people towards you. That's Social Selling Mastery. And Spear is an outbound account-based sales development program, which is an acronym for Select, Plan, Engage, Activate, and Reprioritize your total addressable market. It's a sales process. So if I'm your if I'm your audience, you've probably already heard a gajillion times that of course it all begins with you developing a social presence. So I'm not yeah. even going to go there. But if yeah. I were to think through let's assume you've already built a social presence. You are sharing content. Because if you're not doing those things, you're now talking about you know, the ultimate blocking and tackling that you need to do. Like that's just course, the basic. Course, An course. activity that I do every day is called checking my digital voicemails. My digital voicemails, I go into LinkedIn mm. twice a day, first in the morning, first and then mm. late at night. And I'm looking at who viewed my LinkedIn profile. I'm, uh, who shared content in my network where I can make a comment. Um, mm. Who liked or commented on my content? And what am mm. I doing? I've got a social selling routine in which I connect with them on LinkedIn, draw them into my network. So in mm. the future, they're attracted back to me. So that's kind of part of the inbound. On the they're outbound, very clever. On the outbound, you must, must, must recognize as a seller that time is your biggest determining factor. Time management is your biggest determining factor. What I need to do as a seller is think about my account selection and account prioritization. And what that means is that I am actually setting up alerts to track two things. One, people leaving my happy customer base and going into new prospects. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually watching everyone that takes a new job or promote any customer but, or prospect in the world they care about. People are going to yeah, what's the of, this of their remitted budget with the to get there early. I love that. That's genius. I love the digital voicemail. That's such a clever I've never heard of it like that, but that's really clever really clever and so you obviously you said putting content out there but 
but it goes a bit deeper than that because my understanding is you've got to have the right content for the right avatar that that's value to them so how how do you sort of peel that back to really know what content to put out there how often should you put it out there you know talk talk us through that yeah so i do a bit of a I recommend that every seller does a reverse engineering of their ideal customer profile. And here's what I did. I yeah. took 10 profiles, 10 LinkedIn profiles of my buyer is the chief revenue officer. Oh, 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 okay. but open up your LinkedIn profile. The keywords in the vernacular actually ultimately highlight so ultimately, uh, I focus in on I make videos and I, I write content that aligns to the very words written on the LinkedIn. So it resonates, right? You're showing them you're on their page. Yes, of course. Yeah. So I, I have to demonstrate from day one. I've walked a mile in your shoes. I know what it's like to wear your shoes. I know what it feels like to hurt in your shoes. People buy from people they like, trust, and feel that are just like themselves. Yeah, totally. Very clever. I love that. And I know you set up a, a software business about 10 months ago now, Pipeline Signals. Talk us through the premise of that and the value that brings to a sales professional. Yeah, ultimately, Sales for Life over 10 years scaled 600 global customers, certified a quarter million sellers, and a recurring challenge kept emerging, yep. in which sellers would say, hey, can you just do this work? Can you monitor all of my customers and prospects and mine it for these signals? And ultimately, we decided to start that. And we started, and we have three broad categories that we monitor. We monitor people that change from your customers to other customers and prospects to people that are promoted or take new jobs in your ideal customer profile, or three, right. people that are connected to or, or interrelated to your competitors that can cause a threat in your accounts. And we take that intelligence and we sync it into your CRM so that as a seller, we're middleware, we're plumbing, the seller gets the answers to the test in their CRM as a task notification that says, John Smith just left your customer. They're now over at this prospect. They're a past customer. Here's what you should do. And now it's hyper accelerating our customer's engagement process because what we've done is we're buying back our seller's time. Yeah. And yeah. they're focused in on selling and not just researching. And they're focused on, you know, they're they're fans. They're, you know, the, the happy past customers. It's absolute genius. I, I, I tell a story. I shared this on LinkedIn, actually, where I put one customer becomes three. And I think if I've heard you correctly, this your software does it for you. So I one of my customers was a big um, hotel group and I have Google Alerts set up and the sales director left my customer. Google Alert told me. So I phoned this lady, Jill, up and said, congratulations, where are you going? She went to another hotel group. Within half an hour conversation, she booked me as their speaker at the conference and then bought me for a whole year's training program. But I then said to her, who's replacing you at my customer? I got introduced to him. He then became a customer. Then I said to Richard, the replacement, where did you just come from? 
yes. and that became a customer. So one opportunity from Google Alert became three customers. Absolutely. And so I want you to think about this. So uh, I'm, I'm drinking out of a Yeti water bottle. Okay. Nice. Yeti, the company doesn't make decisions. People that work in that company make decisions. But every day, and on average, 3% of all of your accounts around the world change every month. 3% of a CRM depletes yep. every month. So inside Yeti, there are people that are going to go out. Based on that migration of human capital, dictates where a priority is going to go into a business. Up in and if you're not tracking human capital, then you're not following how priorities are changing in businesses. And it is a it is a self fulfilling prophecy. The bigger you are as a company, the more customers you have, the higher your NPS scores are. Like the happiness of your customers, it's the self fulfilling prophecy in which. Um, people leave your customer base and they go in and now your prospecting team, your net new team is living off your success. Yes. So let me tell you a story from a customer who's recognized the failures of the relationships that their customer success team or account managers had been making or not been making and how it's adversely affected their net new prospecting. So our customer is in the CRM space and they were monitoring C-level executives leaving their customers and going into prospects. And we identified 90 of these signals. So we're talking chief data officer, chief information officer, chief marketing officer, unbelievable opportunities. So they thought, and we thought, a couple months into engagements, they we've got a real problem. The problem is that our customer success team didn't know 85 of the 90 signals that we gave you. It's okay, that's fine. Mm. They didn't know that person existed. They hadn't forged any relationship with them or their department. So what they thought, the net new team, when they got this signal, they thought, oh my God, the chief data officer from our past customer, this is going to be a slam dunk. The chief data officer didn't know who our customer was. Never heard of the company, had no context. So what they thought was going to be a warm lead became a cold lead. And the moral of the story here is the actions and activities that your customer success team does today bear fruit for your net new sales team one year in the future because the average chief human resources officer lasts 16 months. The average chief revenue officer lasts six quarters. The average chief marketing officer lasts two years. So. What will happen is the marketers that you're working with today, next year, they'll be in new companies. And when they get there, yeah. better hope that they know who you're, what your solution is and what it does. Brilliant. I love that. How clever. That would have saved me. I'm thinking for my sales team. I mean, that, that's, that's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. I, I want to circle back to social selling for a second. You've obviously, you've worked with, I think you said, quarter of a million professionals using the, the right, the, your solution. What, if you look at the top 1% who have been the most successful when it comes to social selling, what, what, are you, what are your observations that they do differently to anyone else? 
So I tried to develop, and, and this is might sound wishy-washy, but if you're a chief revenue officer, head of enablement, head of revenue operations, this is key. The biggest correlation to any of the successes of my training program or anyone's mm. training program is not what's within the content itself, but is with, within the mindset of the seller to learn net new yeah. skills. And many mm. of our customers have used our training programs as a gauge to who they want mm. on and off the bus who's willing to learn new skills. So I'll mm. tell you an example. CA Technologies for five years enabled 5,000 sellers. And what they noticed was the correlation that the sellers that became certified in social selling mastery created 38% more pipeline and 17% more revenue than those that started the program and gave up halfway. Because every seller at CA needed to do the program and all their channel partners. Now, the big learning was that yes, there are great tips, tricks, and tactics that are within the program. But there are a lot of great tips, tricks, and tactics in a lot of other great programs. Seller's willingness to be open-minded, absorb knowledge, and actually apply it. Because the only way to become certified in our program, you needed to pick an account, plan it, engage it, create a real-life sales opportunity, do it in under 90 days. Our program is actually... Uh, outcome driven. You have to actually develop a case study in a video to become certified. A lot of sellers would give up. They would get halfway through the program. They would quit. They would make up excuses. And that is the significant factor, I think, more than the actions itself. And I think I agree with you. So my question, I guess, is do you believe we can help persuade people to be receptive and to commit to the process? That's the part that I have begun to change over time. As an owner of a sales training company, I like to convince yep. myself and, of course, my yeah. customers that yeah. everyone can be helped. But as uh, I still own Sales for Life uh, with my business partner, Amar, and now I own this SaaS software company slash managed service pipeline signals, I've come to realize that the world, no matter what you give them, because now I own a company who's actually mining the intelligence, giving the yeah. answers to the test in our customer CRM. Like you can't yeah. end it on a silver platter anymore. Than that. And yet the same Pareto's law exists. The same 20% of sellers run 80% of the impact. I had a, uh, I had a call with a customer of ours sure. that last year in the year 2021 18 percent of their sellers made quota That's awesome. wow. so all those gartner studies where 10 years ago it used to be six of 10 used to make it then it became yeah. 55 45 and then 50 50 i'll bet you if you pulled uh, most companies we're moving towards pareto's law sure. yeah and, uh, I think this is important because I think there's going to be a massive shift in the way capital is deployed into the sales world. I think the idea of scaling through headcount, especially in this future economic nuclear winter we're about to enter, of this recession we're about to enter, I think companies are going to be a lot wiser to rethink how we get more yield per seller into the people, into the processes, into the enablement, into the technology. Because just too many of our sellers that just can't make plans.
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very fair because I think there's two problems. One is getting them to be open-minded and receptive to learn. But the second biggest problem is implementation. How many people say, yeah, I'm open to learning, but then who takes action? And, and that's, that's a tough gig, right? It, it is actually, so it is even more evident to me now as a sales training company, learn a skill, you have one week to apply, you rinse and repeat that for a month. And then you have a final certification where you have 30 days to build your case study and create an outcome. So there's a lot of time that goes by, but with pipeline signals, I am handing actual job changes to people on a silver platter in their CRM and saying, your customer, Jane Smith, just came from your best customer. She's now the chief technology yeah. officer, like call her today. Okay. And then when Go we do our her, monthly yeah. feedback loops, it's incredible that some sellers, not, not, not some sellers, uh, there is a cohort of sellers that just don't do it. Yet the bigger challenge, it's the it's management and new operations talked up with that's just the way it is here. Unbelievable. And why? What what do you believe that's down to? Why the sale? I mean, for me, my only excuse would be I didn't know that happens. Well, your software takes that away. So what's their excuse, Jamie, of why they won't pick up the damn phone? That part I'm still in the midst of trying to understand. I'm 43 years old and yeah. in the sales enablement space my whole life, and I still don't know the answer yeah. to that because I am clearly a self learner. So I don't actually understand the root cause of the human condition that makes yeah. that happen. Yeah. Um, what I'm more concerned about is why sales leaders allow it to continue to happen. Yeah, that was a fair point. I understand there is this fear factor that, well, if I if I let somebody go, I create a hole in a territory, that hole takes six months to backfill, and I have to ramp somebody up. The lost revenue is greater than some revenue in that territory. And I think that's ultimately how most chief revenue officers are looking at it, is some is better than none. Sure, sure. At the same time, when you look at sales reports, you know, the top quartile, that top 20% creates like two, three, four, five times their plan. So if you just yeah. like divert more to them, they'll find ways to close it. So I, yeah. I don't know that there's a silver bullet. No, no, that's fair. I was keen to get your thoughts. You, you've clearly been a very successful salesperson and been surrounded by very successful salespeople. My question to you is what's been the best advice that you've either been given or if you would give, get a give advice to a salesperson, what would that be? So this kind of comes back to the importance of um, relationships and following your customer. I'll tell a story. Uh, mm. My very first sales job was in commercial real estate. So my job was to represent the tenant and to help them uh, with office leasing. And yep. long short, they paired me up with um, an older broker who had been seasoned oh. and successful. I walk into his office and he has a stack of resumes sky high on his desk. And there were all hey, resumes, uh -huh. chief financial officers, all from around Toronto area. And I, his name was Cam. I'm like, Cam, 
What's what? with all the resumes? Like we're in commercial real estate. What are you doing? He laughed. He said, Jamie, you don't actually know what business we're in. We're in the people business. And the reality is that if I help a CFO get their next job, well, when the office leases do, what do you think they're going to call? This yeah. guy. Yeah. Every business I've been in since, I've been in for most part, other than that one SaaS software company, has been um, uh, in professional services. And I'm a big yeah. believer that I think sellers almost need to do a tour of duty inside professional services to actually see what it's like to work there and understand that you're in, you sell vaporware, you actually sell you and people and connections. Yeah. And yeah. that's been one of the biggest blessings to my life is I've learned how to genuinely help people because I've always been in professional services. Yeah. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Where's the best place for my audience, Jamie, to reach out to you, learn more about your your sales for life or, or your your other products and services? Yeah, so connect with me at pipelinesignals.com. If you're looking for somebody to uh, be able to follow your fans, like really monitor every account in the world that you, give you all of these relationship roadmaps, and then Sales for Life, which is a global marketing company, help you with social and connect with me on LinkedIn. Amazing, Jamie. Thank you so much for your time. I've 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 been scribbling notes here. I can't wait to buy your books and actually start implementing because. Uh, you know, I hadn't heard of your solution until obviously we'd arranged this podcast, um, and I can't wait to dive in myself. I can't. I, it, it's almost. I'm almost angry at the amount of opportunities that I know I've lost because I didn't have the software. So, no, thank you so much for joining me, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. You take care. All the best, Jamie.